there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning to you. Welcome to the show about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, Jack Hartle, partner in crime, and uh, we're here to help you uh, grow your wealth. Uh, if you have a lot of wealth, we're here to help you keep your wealth. Uh, so there's two stages to wealth, of course. You got to build it and then harvest it, and uh, two very, very distinct strategies. Um, well, in terms of harvest, it is, I guess, uh, what the uh, just past the first anniversary of legalization of marijuana, cannabis, and likes uh, here in Canada. And uh, such so figured it'd be a very timely opportunity to bring Matt Battenley, uh back on the show. Uh, he's an analyst with Canada Genuity, uh, very, very well versed in the changing uh, and very dynamic. Um, and uh, shall I say, uh, pioneering uh, in the cannabis space. Uh, Matt Bottomley, real pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, happy anniversary, I guess, eh, to your space, to your sector. Yeah, the honeymoon's yeah. over, Wolf. <laughs> yeah, I could see that's one way to put it. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. And, uh, and certainly it's been a, uh, a year that has had no shortage of, of headlines. So I don't know how you want to, what direction. Well, you I'll go. tell you where I want to start with this one, because there, there is a, there, we're going to start with the moral. Um, and the moral is large. The moral is about um, speculation. Uh, it is about mania. It's about bubbles. And it's also about truth. Uh, the truth of the matter is marijuana is a good product, meaning a product that people want. Uh, and, of course, there are medicinal purposes to it. So there's goodness in it, too. We know that. We're going to learn more about that goodness from a medical point of view, from, from an anti-opioid point of view, as time unfolds. Um, but the mania that was created once again uh is an amazing example of uh, the crowd just going one way uh, and tilting the boat. Uh, and so we have to learn from this because we had so many clients who were relatively conservative people begging Jack and I to put money into the cannabis space. And we said, no, it is inappropriate for you. It's appropriate for people who can tolerate extreme risk. But now we're realizing uh, there is a lot of um, less than desirable paper, and probably some really good deals in the marketplace as well. But the space is real. Revenue is real. Profitability is imminent for many of these businesses. Yet the share price of so many companies is just down on the mat. Um, Canada seems to be the dead market. America showed some signs of life, but too is faltering. So Matt, I don't know where you want to begin, but I gave you a very large narrative there that you can play off of. Um, please, over to you. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right in that. You know, I, I've never liked the comparison of, of cannabis or cannabis stocks to, you know, the tech bubble or the tech sector, because there is a known demand curve as a baseline in terms of people that like to smoke dried flour, you know, joints, whatever the case might be. And there's also the upside that I think is, is, is pretty apparent for new users in this space once it sort of transitions over to uh, CPG environment. I agree. Uh, okay. I, Matt, again, I, I apologize for interrupting, but again, I want to stay on the topic of speculation. I've now been in this business for 20 years. I've been an investor for over 35 years. I saw manias in gold, ag, oil, natural gas, technology, cannabis, Jack, what have I missed? Uh, did you miss Bitcoin? I didn't, I didn't Bitcoin, hear, I didn't hear Bitcoin. Bitcoin the that other one, one was pretty oh crazy. Oh, yeah, Bitcoin. The moral of the story, Wolf, is yes. that suitability, right? We run these financial plans. We're going to have our financial planner, Mike Bellamy, come on later. Uh, suitability. Does this investment vehicle 
meet your time horizon, meet your objectives, meet your investment goals. Um, obviously, like you said, there is going to be demand for cannabis. There's going to be a few big winners out there. There's going to be a lot of losers as well. But the, the key question to ask as an investor, is this suitable? Is this what I'm trying to achieve with my financial plan for the long term? Not the, yeah, not the, not the short term speculation. Every space that, that has had a mania created. Every single one had a th- very sound story behind it, i.e., let's talk about egg for a second. Again, Matt, we got lots of time here. So I want to focus on speculation first because of the inappropriateness of it and people who now have too much weak marijuana stock on their books. Uh, it, 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 is a, it is, once again, an awakening. I saw people hold Nortel down to virtually zero. I, we, we know people holding Bitcoin that, that has absolutely imploded. And we're seeing oil stocks that, that were once in the $20, $30 range, trade literally in the pennies, and yet people out in Alberta backed up the truck on oil. People here in Canada were backing the truck on So every story is just that. It has a great story. Uh, oil, not gas, gold. And sure, gold, some gold's appropriate for an inv- individual investor. Highly agree. Uh, the question is how much. I think some cannabis is appropriate for some investors. The question is how much and what type of investors make most sense on. So again, Matt, the spe- without question, the space has had gone through a bubble phase. The bubble has bursted. But I think coming out of it, coming out of the ashes, there's got to be some great opportunities uh, for those who can tolerate uh, some risk and the other you know, factors playing against the space, of course, is late in the season, tax loss selling is going to push these things perhaps lower. Um, and uh, American legislation, uh, we could wake up and get all kinds of wild cards being thrown in at us. So look, we are uh, on the phone here with Matt Bottomley. He's an analyst with Canaccord Genuity, uh, specializing in the cannabis space. Uh, Matt, let's, let's pivot for a second here into the American market. Um, give us some positive change that investors uh, can be hopeful about uh, to see uh, a bit of a lift and a renewed interest uh, in uh, the, the cannabis space in America. Yeah, I mean, the, the U.S. sector is something I spend uh, a lot of my time on, and it's kind of the exact flip side of the coin as, as, as Canada. The regulations aren't as robust, given the fact that it's, not, it's federally illegal there. Um, but where the companies are actually positioned is well further ahead than even the leaders in the Canadian market. So recently in the U.S., we've seen the passing of uh, the Safe Banking Act in, the con- in Congress, and the general expectation is that that'll probably get through the Senate um, early in, in 2020, and, and that really will help open up just the logistical hurdles that a lot of these U.S. operators have um, when it comes to just you know banking and getting mortgages on their property and, and, and just a proper allocation of capital. As in, in any normal business. And the second thing that I, I would like to highlight to, to listeners with respect to these U.S. names is there's companies out there based on the flurry of M&A that are today doing about almost half a billion dollars in revenue on a forward basis. You're not seeing anything in cannabis revenue. You're not seeing that in any, in any of the Canadian sector. And the valuations of these U.S. players, as badly as Canada, like Canopy and et cetera, have been beaten up, uh, they're beaten up even worse. So the U.S. sector is very interesting to me because it's the ones part of this cannabis trade where the fundamentals could actually get ahead of valuation, which I never thought I would say in this in this market. Well, that, that, you know, again, that's what happens when bubbles burst. Uh, coming from the ashes are the odd phoenix. Uh, you're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein, your horse. <laughs> your horse. Good morning to you. Uh, let's help you set the day up properly. Let's help you get some good money ideas and uh, help you keep more money in your family chest because your family needs it. Uh, please stay tuned. More of the show right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
Well, good morning. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Yes, a little high fidelity, some high finance. And why not keep it on the theme of high or not? It's Cannabis Talk. Uh, Matt Bottomley is on the line with us. He's an expert in this space. Um, he's an analyst with Canaccord Genuity. Uh, many of those companies that have come public have come th- through the channels of Canaccord. And uh, uh, certainly Canaccord is always looking at new markets to enter into. Cannabis uh, is one of those such spaces. Um, Matt, the, uh, as, as the elections uh, are, are coming upon us, uh, U.S. elections, I had a chance to watch a little bit of the Democratic debate and uh, they were really pointing the finger at Big Pharma and the opioid crisis. And it's remarkable when you hear the statistics of how many billions or millions of pills, uh, opioid pills, were uh, passed on to consumers. Um, and the finger is now being pointed. Uh, and, you know, Jack raised a very, very good point because they're pointing the finger at uh, Big Pharma, but yet the FDA approved the product and should also take on some of that responsibility. But I think this certainly is a, it has to be a layup uh, for your space um, if enough efficacy, I think, can come forth on for example, the CBD component of cannabis, which is a non-hallucinogenic, uh, apparently pain-relieving, soothing, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, you know what well, I mean. Well, it's really a medicine, right? And it helps with, I think, inflammation too. And like you said, very pain-relieving, helps with sleep, helps with yeah, the PTSD, all that stuff. Yeah, but post-traumatic stress is stress very, very, very interesting. And yeah. a lot of those guys, a lot of those military guys, a lot of athletes are you know, dealing with these issues through opioids and potentially CBD is an alternative. So, so where, where, where do we stand with that? Because again, I, th- th- that's an area of interest to me, but what, what we're seeing in the, in the forefront here is of course, cannabis 2.0 speaking about edibles, again, going back to the THC aspect of them and using that as a hallucinogenic. Uh, so can you speak to both topics, 2.0 edibles and uh, the CBD component with the real medicinal uh, perhaps um, uh, opportunity? Yeah, I mean, the CBD opportunity is something that's becoming a lot more topical. Back uh, at the end of, uh, of last year, there was something called the Farm Bill that was passed, and that basically allowed hemp growers to cultivate uh, and extract CBD out of hemp, and, and, and now that can cross state lines in the U.S. So you're seeing a lot of opportunity. Charlotte's Web would be probably the most notable name. Uh, that's a public, uh, publicly traded company that's doing that, and it, it's something that um, really doesn't have a lot of, uh, of negative stigma associated with it. And, and even to your previous commentary on, on, on the U.S. sort of climate with respect to the, the political um, sentiment, you know, you'd think because it's a Schedule One drug that there's a lot of politicians out there that are very anti-cannabis, and there are in isolation, but in whole, you know, 65 70% support full legalization. We've seen opioid replacement bills now being passed in states like Illinois, and I think Pennsylvania might be another one. Um, and there's not really a lot of dogfighting going on uh, in Washington on this. It's just a slow-moving wheel, and we're in an election cycle now where other things, I think, take precedent uh, with respect to what's talked about, but certainly it's moving in the right direction. You know, you're uh, seeing it. I, again, in the debate, they were, I would say they were pro-cannabis uh, during the debate. They're very anti-opioid because it's, of course, topic du jour uh, that they can sort of uh, pound their chest on. Um, so let's talk, then, then again, move over to cannabis 2.0, the edibles. Um, with vaping, flavored vape, um, you know, making the stuff attractive to children, uh, that's hopefully going to be circumvented with edibles because uh, they're not allowed to be flavored, so we can't have that gummy bear effect. Uh, what direction do you think the product's going to go in, and, and, and what kind of traction do you think the product's going to pick up? Well, yeah, edibles. 
Variables are certainly part of the puzzle, but if you look at any regulated market uh, in the U.S. as proxy that, that's, you know, had a couple of years operating history of these products, you know, if you look at, at the overall demand, sort of 40% of that demand, uh, you know, I don't want to call it maturity, but in a maturing market, is just the dried flour. And it's the other 60% we're talking about here. And edibles is just a component of that. Edibles might only be 20% of that number. So there'll be a demand for it, but it, it really is the vaping products that, that promote a lot of growth just because of their ease of use. Remember, an edible you have to digest. It goes through your liver. Um, it's very, very hard for first-time users to know exactly how much to take and how their body's going to react to it, whereas vaping is something that has a more immediate impact. So it's unfortunate with some of these negative headlines coming out of the U.S., more with the jewel and the nicotine uh, segment of the market. Um, so I think Health Canada should have a plan, I hope, in their back pocket as to how they're going to communicate the safety, the, the safety issues with, you know, regarding of these products, because every licensed producer in Canada that I've talked to is telling me that those, those orders are still good to go, and, and, the, and shipment should start in the next, you know, six to eight weeks here, and we could be seeing vape pens on shelves of stores, you know, presumably by Christmas. So it's, uh, it's something that I think is more topical than just the edible side of it, which is, is less controversial right now. So, so Matt, for, for Cannabis 2.0, um, these LPs in Canada, so the companies, um, do they actually have product that is available that has been approved that can be on the shelves by December or do they still have to go through the approval process and have that complete before they can get them on the shelves? So it's, it's a really good question. So over the last three or four months, probably even more than that, there's been consultations with all the LPs with respect to what will be allowed in Cannabis 2.0. So that includes beverages, gummies, uh, obviously things that aren't colorful to children, as Wolfgang mentioned, vape pens, and they've had those consultations. And it's interesting that I'm, I'm on the air today because today is the first day where the government legally is allowed to approve new product SKUs, and they have a 60-day window to do it. So what we're going to see from today to December 17th is all of these SKUs officially be approved by the government, and then at some point in early to mid-December, those products will then start shipping to various distribution points. So we're, it's a live process right now. They've already told the producers what will be allowed in terms of product categories, which is why you know, the companies have been making these products uh, over the last six months. In, but it's not until, you know, the next, over this next 60-day period where they will officially be brought into the legal platform. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network. It's Wolfgang Klein, host of the show with Jack Hartle, partner in crime. Uh, we have Matt Bottomley on the line. He is an expert in the field of cannabis. Of course, there is a lot of publicly traded cannabis stocks on the board. And I'll tell you, there are some bargains to be had if you can find the right gems uh, to... Uh, shall I say, kick the tires on. Now it certainly is this season. Uh, so coming up out of the break, we're going to get Matt Bottomley to give us some of his best investment ideas in cannabis uh, right here. Please stay tuned. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It's about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, host of the show. Jack Hartle in for the cause. We have Matt Bottomley on the line. He's an analyst with Canaccord Genuity, uh, and he focuses on the cannabis sector. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Is that an oxymoron? Focused on cannabis? Hey, uh, Matt, a um, couple of things. 
Uh, fall is upon us. The frost is coming. Uh, legally, there are some recreational growers out there who are probably, probably in harvest mode right now, I shall say. Um, self-growers. Uh, is that sector picked up any traction competing with the, uh, with the uh, illegal and, uh, well, uh, shall I say, black market? Because I, I continue to hear the black market uh, it has not gone away. Uh, there's a lot of disappointment with uh, what's coming through the government channels. And yet over on the left, you have people who say, hey, I can grow a few pot plants now, and I shall do just that. And uh, apparently the harvest has been pretty good this year from what I've been told. Yeah, I mean, it's something that um, is certainly an element in this sector. I And it's hard to know exactly its impact. All we can see is the participation rate in the legal channel and I think right now, in terms of dollars, we're sort of 12% converted. So I think that um, 12% of all, of all pots sold in Canada is going through the legal channels now. So the home grow element, I think, is more of a niche. I, you know, I don't grow my own tomatoes, and, you know, you can get those pretty easily at the store. And you have to Not think good of ones. Not good ones. <laughs> you should, grow, you should like, grow your own tomatoes. I, I grow beautiful herbs. Again, I'm a culinary student at George Brown. And I, uh, I made some beautiful tea the other day, not cannabis-infused. Crossed, mm. crossed my mind. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, I made some beautiful tea with, with homegrown, with homegrown, mint homegrown. Uh, what else did I put in there, Jack? Oh, the ginger wasn't homegrown. I can't grow ginger. Uh, but it's very wonderful, wonderful tea. Now, I do want to actually, to stay on the topic, I, again, being the old guy, uh, stuff comes to me late every now and then. But a new phenomena that has been tabled in front of me that I scratched my head on uh, is this phenomena called micro-dosing. Um, and they're not micro-dosing with uh, cannabis, from what I understand. They're micro-dosing with other hallucinogenics. And so they're taking very small amounts somehow of various items. And I've heard they're doing it actually with magic mushrooms. And apparently it's helping the likes of computer programmers in Silicon Valley write better code. Uh, Matt, can you speak to the notion? Because, again, I'm 54 years old. Uh, I'm from Toronto. I've seen a few things in my day, but I never heard the concept of microdosing. What What do you know about microdose? How long has it been, and who's doing it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. I couldn't really get into the, 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 the nuts and bolts of the efficacy of it and, and what people use it for, but I know as a general construct, the reason why it's something that um, producers are working on is because if you look, and this is a great example when t- people talk about the beverage side of the cannabis industry, you know, it really is a very, very small portion of it today. And the reason for that is it's really like a liquid edible. So you go and get a, an infused beverage in the, in the U.S. right now where you can find it. And if you drink a whole bottle, you know, a 330 milliliter some odd bottle, you'll go insane. There's just way too much product in it. You know, you got to, you know, pass a bottle around with your friends or whatever. And if you consume, you know, more than half the bottle, it's way too much. So microdosing is something that I think is going to be a lot more prevalent in cannabis when it comes to beverages. If you can actually get a product to have an early onset um, where if you drink one, you'll get a slight euphoric feeling or a slight buzz. If you drink two or three, it's a little more and more similar to alcohol, right? And then people can kind of manage it better and decide, you know, should these products become available? Am I going to have two or three, you know, cannabis-infused drinks after work? Or, or is this just, you know, you know, you know, you can sort of decide how you want to ingest the product. Whereas with most products that are available now, you know, you, you get someone's home batch of a cookie, you better be careful eating more than a quarter of it, else you might, you might have a pretty bad ride. So the microdosing is a, is a way to sort of help people ramp up a bit slower and, and just, you know, have a little bit of the experience without having to ruin their or, or, or take up their whole night, I should say. All right, Matt, in, in interest of time, uh, give us some of your best investable ideas uh, that, that show deep value that are of greatest quality uh, that you think are going to make the audience some money. 
Yeah, the two companies I think that, that make a lot of sense in the current climate is they're both U.S.-based. One is called CuraLeaf, uh, ticker C-U-R-A. It's my top pick uh, for, it was my top pick for 2019, and it's currently my top pick going forward. Um, and uh, the second one would be Harvest Health and Recreation, H-A-R-V. These are what people call multi-state operators. Um, there's been a lot of negative headlines in the U.S. coming out of the vaping. Um, the sector is scared that there's going to be more capital raises, which, of course, at some point there will be. Um, and a lot of these stocks just aren't really moving any different than what we're seeing out of the Canadian market. Yes, these are the biggest cannabis companies in the world right now in terms of their retail reach and production footprint. These are companies that combined have guidance out there for $2.2 billion of revenues between these two companies in 2020. And I think that it's not, you know, it's plausible that they could even hit those numbers given that, you know, they do have to leverage a bit on, on state. Um, and in the Canadian market, I think, you know, right now it's a bit out of favor. I think you want to look for who's executing versus their valuation. And I think the biggest screaming buy, in my opinion, on, on that metric is Organigram, given the fact that it's competing with Aurora and Canopy and Tilray in terms of how much product it's getting out there. And it has a valuation that's, you know, 60, 70 percent lower. So those are the three names that I probably like the most on um, fundamentals and where and how they're trading right now on, on relative valuation. Well, that's a great answer. So it was Cureleaf, Harvest, and Organigram here in Canada. Uh, Matt Bottomley, uh, analyst with Canaccord Genuity, uh, analyst, uh, of course, in the space of cannabis. Uh, please ca- keep us posted. Uh, there is certainly a lot going on, and I can't uh, reiterate the point enough. Uh, my good friends, please, if you're interested in buying cannabis stocks, seek your financial advisor to make sure they are suitable for your uh, current uh, financial uh, needs, tolerance, uh, and means. Uh, you listen to Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money on the Global News Radio Network. More of the show right after this. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Will you still be sending me a valentine? Birthday greetings, bottle of wine. Good morning. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Wouldn't you like a little bit more money? Who wouldn't? Um, you know, Jack, I can't thank you enough, by the way, my partner, uh, for uh, motivating me to watch the uh, documentary series, which I've just begun, uh, on Bill Gates. Um, I'm telling you, friends, you have to watch the documentary on Bill Gates. Uh, I'm not sure how many episodes there are, but it made me cry. It made me think. It moved me, um, the way the man thinks and the, the, shall I say, tasks that he has taken upon himself, the global tasks he's taken upon himself to solve. Uh, incredible. So it's a wonderful example of a multi-billionaire doing such greatness with his money. And not on his own. He's partnered with another multi-billionaire. In fact, the richest man in the world, Warren Buffett, uh, the Melinda Gate, the Melinda, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's right. Yep. Um, they've worked on polio, polio uh, and they are now working on sanitation. Uh, absolutely remarkable. He's a good man, and um, you know, as we come into the election, it's interesting because they're speaking more and more of uh, taking from the rich and giving to the masses. And uh, I like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett's approach, where they, on their own conscious volition are doing it themselves in a very, very effective manner. Um, well, so- they've demonstrated throughout their career, throughout their business career, that they're excellent allocators of capital. So I'd rather have them allocate their own capital to, like you said, polio, sanitation, third world country, stuff like that, 
than be forced to give it through the government because it's very inefficient, you know, when, the way they tax and then overspend. And you know what? what again, it's a, it was a very, very moving series that I watched. But one of the points that he made um, uh, was, you know, if, if, if there is an occurrence, a, a bad occurrence, let's just say a bomb uh, or a killing or whatever the case may be, it gets immediate attention. Yet these problems that persist and exist each and every day and they don't get attention. No one is trying to solve the problem. I go, I go back to the sanitation story that he is so passionately working on. Uh, an avid reader, uh, an avid thinker, um, uh, just, just a great, great human being. So kudos to the rich men out there uh, who are doing good work. Uh, Mike Bellamy, uh, financial planner, uh, here to help you, well, perhaps become a multi-billionaire and do greatness with your money as well. Uh, philanthropy is a very big part of this show. Uh, it's, it's part of my belief system. Um, and hey, my financial planning friend, uh, of course, uh, can, can share with us some very, very powerful tax benefits as to why uh, philanthropy and giving uh, is, is such a good thing. Many ways of doing, of course, through charity, through donation of shares, through cash, and through effort. Um, and again, I'm going to use this as a segue to ask you kindly to please go to the Covenant website, Covenant House website. Uh, Wolfgang Klein, what we'll see, will be sleeping on the streets of Toronto. I think it's November 17th or so uh, to help the cause for youth homelessness here in Toronto. It's a big problem. You see it every day. Please help out. Be a hero. Donate some money. Help a kid get off the street and set their life on a better path. Uh, your kids could be there. My kids could be there. You and I could be there one day. It happens. Bad things happen to good people. So be a good person uh, and help someone who needs your help. That's what Gates is doing. That's what I'm doing. And that's what I want you to do as well. And that can all be factored into a financial plan. Um, so Mike Bellamy, my good friend, uh, look, I want to help people become successful. Uh, you want to help people become financially successful as well. Uh, you want to speak to uh, that article that Jack put on my uh, desk this morning, 10 surprising things financially successful people do differently. Yeah, so thanks for having me back, Wolf. Yeah, you're um, welcome. A pleasure to be on the radio. So, um, yeah, they, when you read through so these 10 you know, surprising facts, I would say most of them probably aren't surprising when you actually read through them, but surprising that people still aren't doing them is mm -hmm. kind of the way to look at it. So, you know, the one that stood out to me right off the start was that pay yourself first. So, you know, that's been ingrained in us for, you know, since I, since I can remember it, always pay yourself first. We find, you know, too many clients wait till the end of the year to start to, you know, where should I put my money? Should I put it in an RSP, tax-free savings accounts? But by the end of the year, there may not be any money left. Um, so that's where you kind of, fall into that trap that, oh, we'll do it next year. Yeah, we'll that's, that's the gates get, get started now. Uh, yeah. You know which one I like? I like the number one one. Um, they surround themselves with positive people and don't waste time on negativity. And, you know, we have our little uh, bull sessions in the office, you mean Jack and, and, and Zach and the team, and it's always yeah. fun, positive stuff as to how can we help? What ideas do we have that we can help people advance towards their goals. Uh, your point about paying yourself first, I think it goes beyond that. And the, again, the highlight here is they make sacrifices at first. I know Jack's all about, you know, yeah. delaying gratification. That was a mantra I used to use in the 80s. Right. With myself, with myself. Yeah. Wolf, delay gratification uh, and you will live like a king 
in yeah. due course. Um, a, a lot of it really is the financial planning that you're talking about. It's systematic. It's process driven. And a lot of it's just daily habits, doing things in small little bite-sized pieces. Because when you look out to your 64, most people can't imagine that. But if you can take it day by day, week by week, and save like every paycheck, it becomes more palatable and a lot easier to do. You know, systematic is so important, Jack. Uh, we can't stress that. This, I think two of the most important things are, number one, actually three of the most important. Start early, get systematic. And as what Jack said, and what Jack means is, as soon as you make some money on your paycheck, put some aside and say every single paycheck you must be saving, and hence investing. I think the next equally important thing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is that we have to really extend time horizon. Um, and this is where noise and distractions can really throw financial plans off the rails. Uh, and the one that I really catch here, Mike, this is where, again, we need your help to help us, is, is as people enter retirement, they think, okay, my investing game is now over. Time to exit. Uh, look, we're going to go to commercial break, but the show is not exiting. It's a show about money. It's important stuff. And my friends, you will be talking about money and needing it for the rest of your life. We're here to help you uh, improve your standard of living. Uh, it's a great show. We have a lot of fun delivering to each and every week. Uh, more of it right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Life would be sunny. Back after this, you're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, I'm getting disco or funk, it's all good. That's the high-fidelity part of the show. Now back to business. Wolfgang Klein here, portfolio manager, and uh, Jack Hartle, my partner. We're here to help uh, Canadians become wealthier. Um, money concepts are powerful, but they have to be executed. Uh, education without action is entertainment. Um, you know what I love about this list that Mike Bellamy gave me about uh, uh, habits, uh, 10 habits of successful people, uh, is point number 10. They are more excited about the process of creation than the money they actually make. Um, you know, they have a good time doing what they do. And Jack refers to continuously as they have ikiga. Uh, you know, I can't stress the point enough. We would now take me to, to our financial planner and, and the notion of retirement. Like, you know, Mike, financial planning, for the most part, I think first thought about what a planner does is they help people get to retirement. Uh, but please, I want you to speak to uh, how, how things really don't need to change that much as you enter retirement with your financial plan. And in fact, the other half of your plan is, as, as Sandy McIntyre refers to, the harvesting phase, where you actually get to eat some of the fruit that your big tree has now producing for you each and every year. But don't cut the tree down. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Speak to that, Mike. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest, the biggest transition for, for clients as they get to that retirement age and they think... You know, we've seen it before where they think that everything in their portfolio needs to change, everything needs to be moved around. It's not a overnight switch that we turn off. It's it's a gradual process. There's, And that's why we do the plans, figure out where the income's going to come from. Maybe you don't necessarily need to touch that tree for the next few years based on what you need. Or maybe on the flip side of that, maybe there's going to be some excess spending in the first few years, and then it's going to tail, tail off at the end of the of uh, retirement. I'm so, spending, Pelham. I guarantee I'm, yeah, I'm going to do some of that excess <laughs> spending, baby. 
but yeah, it, exactly. it does make sense to spend a little bit maybe extra at the front Absolutely. when you can travel when you can enjoy it because a lot of the times you really can't once you get to your 80 85 but, you can't get insurance to but, travel but, but, again jack's making a lot of good points but here is my point i want to take it all back to i want to do some excess spending but in i'm only going to do the excess spending after i've compounded if you can my wealth it, for yep. 40 years you got to yep. do the hard work first but guess what these are good times you heard the check track right and so find something you like and it's no longer work and guess what if you find something you like i bet you're going to make twice as much money than if you hang on to the job you don't like does that make sense yeah for sure and the most successful younger clients that i meet that are are achieving these type of goals is you know they they start a plan and they stick to it right it's it's all about having an action plan knowing that i have to put x dollars a month away every year and i'll get to my goal right so if you if you know where that money's going versus you know, a good part of the population that just kind of throws money into the RSP as they have it or lump sums. There's not really, I mean, they know their goal is retirement, but they don't have a specific goal for it. So, so Mike, you, Mike makes a very good point there. Uh, young people actually having a plan because a lot of the times we see older people as they're about to enter retirement, 65, maybe 66 years old. <laughs> They're just actually creating a plan right now, Correct. and it's such a psychological hurdle for them because they're not earning income anymore, and now they've got to create this plan they should have had 30 years ago, which would give them a roadmap to where they are currently, just into retirement and then beyond, which is, like I said, you don't start financial planning at 65 or 64 when you really when you start that harvesting phase you start it when you're young and it's very process driven lining up your pay with savings investing wisely investing in good quality stuff all the all the key tenets of a, a successful investor and really a successful person so again we go back to the story here about what successful people do differently and again jack speaking about process jack speaking about sacrifice and about starting early starting is again the key thing preferably okay. early but you have to start you have to start immediately if you are not on a plan. And again, I repeat that the wisdom that Jack and I are bringing to you right here, right now, I beg you to share it with your family, the younger generations, because they have that wonderful opportunity to take advantage of time. Again, I repeat now back to Warren Buffett, who is making billions a year, really without working physically that hard anymore because his capital, his tree is so large that it's producing so much fruit. He's taking that fruit, giving it to Bill Gates, who is going to, quote-unquote, feed the world with it. In fact, he's going to actually save the world uh, or, or parts of it uh, with it. So That's, it's just a wonderful... But, they, no, but let's go back to the point on goals here for a second here. Because Mike, Mike spoke about goals and about retirement goals. And again, Jack, you and I know where I'm, you know where I'm going with this thing here. We all really have multiple goals. Um, yeah. You, 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 Brittany over here in our studio working on our uh, wonderful show here each and every week. I know she has a goal to buy a house one day. Um, yep. She's also going to have to retire one day. And if she has children, God, God given, uh, do you want children, by the way, Brittany? Yes. No, it's not sure. Uh, uh, if she wants to have children one day, it'll be setting up a goal for an RESP. So the way you should approach investing, this is important because we just had Matt Bottom, Bottomley on the line talking about marijuana stocks. If you have a goal that you hope to fulfill in a period of less than three years, you must have that money safely invested, meaning money market savings account, something very low risk because you know you need that money in a short period of time and you can't handle the volatility of the marketplace. But any other goal for the most part, tends to have a time horizon over three years from retirement to, oh, I don't know, Jack, uh, 
paying off your mortgage. Uh, that's reverse savings, of course. Because, For sure, yeah. yeah. Um, yep. Longer time paying horizon. Paying off a car. I mean, you're, some people pay them off over eight years. So when you have a longer term time horizon, you have to set your, your goals accordingly. You have to make sure that your asset mix is set appropriately and you have suitable investments to reach your goals. And if it's not suitable investments, then it's a suitable savings plan. Correct. You listen to Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network. I am a portfolio manager. I manage individuals' money, and I do it very, very well. If you ever need any help, you can always contact Jack and I, WolfgangKlein.com. We're here for you. We'll answer any question, no charge, uh, because talk is cheap. That's what we do here on Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends. Please stay tuned. More of the show right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah, good morning. I hope you're going to have yourself a great day. Hope I can give you some ideas, stimulate you, motivate you, inspire you. That's what I want to do here. It's, uh, well, you know, if I can have that effect upon you and have you uh, change a habit or two, uh, and you can maintain that new habit for, you know, several decades, hopefully you can put some extra money in your pocket. And It's, uh, that's it's really what, interesting what these small little habits are you talking about. Small little changes. How dramatic of an impact they can have when you stretch them out over the long term, Wolf. You know, talking, and you tell you always talk about the five dollars a day, but again, that's just a habit. You extend your time horizon, buy quality stuff. You don't have to have a fifty percent return to make a lot of money. You no, can you have a, you can have a regular normal return of I don't know seven percent. Be close to a millionaire. Seven works very very well. It, it, the, the, the love roller coaster tee up. Uh, of course, was uh, to help people understand, of course, that the market is a roller coaster and it goes up and down. Uh, and that's what makes it so challenging. But I'm going to go back to this is where Jack and I and a human being uh, can really help you if you allow us to help you, um, I should say, stay invested. Because uh, doing the alternative, the in and out, it does not work. Uh, I've, I've seen the statistics on the lack of success of retail investors underperforming the market time and time again because they can't handle the ride of the roller coaster. Uh, Mike Bellamy, our financial planner in-house. Mike, how can you help our clients, investors, um, deal with the roller coaster uh, of the market? Because ultimately, if we can keep them invested in, as Jack refers to, good quality stuff over 20, 30-year periods of time, the probability is virtually 100% that that strategy will be the most effective strategy for the investor. But it's the roller coaster, right? So Mike, how can you help us with the roller coaster? Yeah, so so there's a lot of like, so within our financial plans, you see numerous, and there's a lot of charts in there that essentially, you know, going back to the goals thing and the buckets and, and looking at that retirement bucket, they've got a clear view of where they need to be. Right, so it's not necessarily looking at the day to day. We've got a plan in place for what needs to be saved, what kind of return rates we need over the long term period of time. Um, you know, typically in our financial plans, we run at a five percent return, mm-hmm. and we can allow them to know that okay, as long as we stick to our action plan on a, on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, as far as our savings go, and we can see the end line, what we need to be at. 
it can help you to kind of block out the noise. Right? Yeah. So when you're at the end of each year, we kind of know roughly where you need to be as far as where your portfolio goes. And, and you know those numbers. So if you have those numbers in your head, I feel like if you're blindly saving for a retirement without kind of knowing what that number is, I feel like the day-to-day can get to you a lot quicker. So, so let's do the following, Mike, because Jack and, and, and you are going to be right on the side with what I'm going to say here. Um, when you run a plan for a client, you run it at 5%. Five years later, for the most part, Jack and I have exceeded your plan. Exactly, yeah. So the, the, the account is actually further ahead of plan than anticipated. Client, yep. client then high watermarks the portfolio. What I mean by that is, that, oh, my account is now worth $1.2 million. I'm yep. doing very well. I'm a happy person. The next day, Trump tweets. Market falls 10%. And then Putin pulls a move and it falls another 10%. They're still on plan. They're still actually ahead of your numbers, but they just fell 20%. And that's going to happen, my good friend. If you invest with Jack and I, that will happen. Full transparency, complete honesty. Um, you're still on plan. The client doesn't like it. How do you, Jack and Mike, I want you guys to speak to that. Let's get through, help me help the client appreciate what just took place and how do you deal with it? So you have to, you, I would say you have to look at it as, all right, is my, has my, have my goals changed? We'll start with that one. Right. The answer is no. Right. So that hasn't changed. Is my asset allocation still appropriate considering my long-term goals? I, I don't know. I did my account well, just it, fell twenty percent. So right. But what you have to look at is, is it still on on target to meet my long-term goals? I'm not talking about the next thirty days, the next year, even. I'm talking about the next thirty years. And over time, like you said, a good a good probability is you're going to meet your long-term goals if you buy and invest in good, high-quality stuff. So having the proper asset allocation going into these types of events most likely will reduce the volatility because maybe you have some fixed income if you're older, those types of things. But it gives you some comfort that you can still meet and achieve those long-term goals. Yeah, and I think Jack makes a very, very good point right then and there. The asset mix means how much cash do you have to do, would you hold in a portfolio, how much bonds or GICs and how much stock. And perhaps if you can't handle a 20 or 30% downstroke, because they're going to come, I promise you, I promise you that. Um, if you can't handle it, then less stock in the portfolio so that when the inevitable does occur, your account won't fall as much and you won't do the wrong thing. Call Jack and I and Mike Bellamy and said, I want to change my plan. I want out. Yeah, that's what I would say. That's one of those things that you see in, in marketing right now, a lot of robo-advisors, a lot of no-fee type service. You know, who do you call when, when that type of situation happens? Because it's going to happen to those types of portfolios too. They say they're going to retire 30% richer, but in those times of crisis when you have the potential to bail, who are you going to call? Are they going to the, the call service center on, on a robo-type advisor? Correct. And the, the flip side of that is, too, we've also seen situations where robo-advisors put people in the wrong asset mix. They're putting people that are 30 years old in 50% stocks, 50% bonds, without realizing the fact that, you know what? There's a huge opportunity cost by being too conservative when you're young. Correct. And that's, again, where robo, what it does, is ask you some basic questions, which doesn't really drill into the real meat of the emotional quotient of the question, i.e., how would you feel if you lost money? Gada, I won't like it. Who wants to lose money? Oh, gee, you're conservative. All into T-bills. Let's talk this through a little bit here. Do I think Microsoft will be worth more money in 10 years? Do I think the Royal Bank will be worth more money in 10 years? Sure, day-to-day volatility without question. The other point, again, we're running out of time here, but when Jack and I are going to pick up on this again, is people often time reference. They pick points in time when things look good and bad. And, I mean, short periods of time when really what matters is almost a slam dunk when you extend time horizon to decades. Everyone's a winner, and everyone can have a chicken dinner. 
This is Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Mike Bellamy, financial planner extraordinaire, a member of the Wolf on Bay Street team, available to all of our clients. If you want a, a financial plan that you don't have, we can do that. If you need a financial plan tune-up, we can do that too. If you want to see how Trump will affect your financial plan, Mike Bellamy is so smart, he can even do a Monte Carlo simulation for you. Exciting stuff, eh? Mike, thanks very kindly, my good friend. You go back to your weekend and enjoy it. Uh, Jack Hartle, always a pleasure to have you in the studio with me. I get so bored without you. Uh, and Indeed. Friends, you have yourself a great weekend. Please, again, anything on your mind about money, estate planning, taxes, financial planning, uh, or anything else, Jack and I are here for you. WolfgangKlein.com. You have yourself a great weekend, and thank you for tuning in to Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.